This is a message from St. Paul Lutheran Church in Flemington, New Jersey. Come and worship with us every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. for our traditional service or at 10 a.m. for our contemporary service. Well, let me uh, start off this morning by just simply asking you a question. Um, it's, uh, um, you know, uh, it's a personal question, so I just want to kind of like put you at ease right now and let you know that I'm, I'm not going to ask you to share your answer with the person sitting next to you, and I'm certainly not going to ask you to shout your answer back to me out loud, okay? Uh, so, you know, just something between you and God, something in your heart and mind, I just want to ask you to consider this question and, and, and answer this question for me. Here it is. Do you like who you are? I mean, I know as I look out at all you beautiful people that there's a whole bunch about you that you should like. So don't get me wrong, but I mean, full package. Do, do you like who you are? Is, maybe there's something there that you maybe want to change or do something different with. I, I don't know. But it's a question really that we should ask ourselves with a little greater frequency, but for some reason we don't. Um, I mean, we'll look in a mirror on a daily basis and we'll ask a similar question, right? We'll look in a mirror and we'll say, do I like how I look? How many of you did that this morning? I believe most of you. Um, I'm sorry. Not the way to start out a new year, is it? <laughs> no, but we do. We'll ask our question, do, do I like how I look, right? We'll, we'll do that almost every day. Uh, but that's a quite different question, I think you'll agree, than do I like who I am? Do I like the person that I'm becoming? And like I said, we don't stop very often to ask questions like, do I like who I am? Do I like what I'm becoming? We do that a little bit more intentionally at this time of the year, right? At the beginning of a new year. Uh, but it just doesn't tend to last very long, typically. Uh, not too long after the first of the year, we're kind of just cruising again. And, and away we go, and we never think about it again. Uh, so what I wanted to do, I thought I would seize that as a, as a church this morning and just ask you to be a little bit intentional this morning and kind of stop and step back and think about this thing. You know, uh, do you like who you are? And, and are there any areas of your life that maybe you would say you'd really like to be able to hit a little bit of a reset? It's a good time to do that, right? Now, as you're thinking about the answer to that question, uh, let me just kind of roll out where we're kind of going with all this. And, uh, you know, we're coming off of the Christmas season. And, of course, you know, after Christmas, uh, oftentimes uh, they'll come out with lists uh, like, you know, the most popular Christmas gifts of whatever year that is. Uh, well, back in 1960, the, you know what the most popular Christmas gift was? I know, right now, everyone's looking at me and saying, why should we know? <laughs> I got you. But uh, the most popular Christmas gift back in 1960 was a Chatty Cathy doll. Oh, how many of you owned a Chatty Cathy doll? Go ahead, raise your hand. Hi, that's right. Be loud and proud this morning. Awesome, that's good. Um, whether you are admitting to it or not, I don't know. Uh, if you have one, though, and if it's not opened, if it's, if it's remained unopened, like you just put it on the shelf and looked at it when you got it, it could be worth upwards of five or $600 today. Just saying, you might want to consider that. Don't put it in the garage sale and sell it for two. Uh, 1983, the most popular gift was a Cabbage Patch doll. How many of you had a Cabbage Patch kid growing up? Yeah, there you go, see? Some of you, same person that had Chatty Cathy, you had Cabbage Patch kids. Now here's what I want to find out though. I want to see if we have any real men in here this morning that are really confident in their masculinity and would confess that they owned a Cabbage Patch doll. So 
If you are a man and you own a Cabbage Patch doll, go ahead and raise your hand. No offense, but you should never have raised your hand. You just should. That's not something that you admit to in public. And if you ever ask that question again in public, you just deny it. Deny, deny, deny. No matter how much pressure they put on you, just, 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 just deny it. But anyway, that was a popular gift back in 1983. Um, one of the most popular gifts in 1996 was the Beanie Baby. Everybody remember Beanie Babies? Did you ever buy a Beanie Baby? Did you know that you contributed to that company making $250 million that year? Just for a Beanie Baby. Think about that, right? Uh, one of, the, uh, one, of the, one, more, one of the most popular gifts uh, a few years ago, actually back in 2017, uh, it was the classic Nintendo system from like 30 years ago. They brought it back, right? Um, I think we've got a picture of it up here for you. Uh, they brought it back. There it is. I know, right? Look at that thing. Uh, but it sold out when they brought it back in 2017. It sold out then just like it did when they first rolled it out in 87. Uh, you know, back then it was all about the classic Nintendo, Super Mario Brothers, right? Duck Hunt. <laughs> yes, you tell me. Mm-hmm, yeah, that, I got it. I got it. Now, if you're not sure about this one, it's still not ringing any bells for you. I just want to tell you, you, you might remember this. This is the system that had a couple of really cool features about it. Uh, one of the features was that if that system ever froze up while you were playing the game, you could take the cartridge out of the game, blow on the tabs. Remember doing that? Stuff it back in the game, and it worked perfectly almost every time. So now you can tell a whole generation of people that grew up on that gaming system because they still think that by blowing on something, you can fix it. (laughs) They take out their cell phone when it's not working and they blow in the end where the cord goes in, you know, and they think it's going to work. And amazingly, sometimes it does. Exactly. Right? So this blowing feature, that's what I'm saying, this blowing feature was really a cool, cool feature. Uh, Another great feature about the classic Nintendo is right there on the front of it, it had a reset button. You see it right there next to the power button? And, and any time that you were playing a game and the game wasn't going exactly the way you wanted it to go, see, I know that's what you did, right? You know you could push that reset button and immediately it would take you back to the beginning of the game. It was a really cool feature. And so, you know, you're playing the game and all of a sudden Mario gets taken out by sliding turtles just a little bit too early for you, right? What do you do? You hit the reset button, the game starts over. And you get a new beginning. It was a really cool feature. (laughs) How great would it be if life came equipped with a reset button? Wouldn't that be cool? I, I mean, think about it. Especially today, on a day like today, sitting here where we are at this time of the year. Like, Wouldn't it be cool if, like, our credit cards had a reset button on it? (laughs) You hit that reset button, it goes back to zero. It's like you never were in debt. It's awesome. That's cool. Um, Maybe maybe for some of you, you know, it would be cool to have a reset button uh, maybe for, like, your marriage. Maybe for your parenting. Maybe you'd like to have a reset button just for some of your relationships, your friendships, whatever. I, I, I just think, you know, maybe... Um, all of us would kind of like that because from time to time we, we do wish that we could just like, you know, start over. Not with a different person, but with that person, just start over. 
Uh, maybe even this morning, it was tough for your family to get out of the house and to church this morning and say so you'd even like to hit the reset button on, on how all that went today. Maybe you said a few things that, in a way that maybe you shouldn't say it or didn't want to say it, and it just came out, so you want to be able to hit that reset button. See, uh, sometimes we treat January 1st, you know, the first part of January, like it's this magical reset button. We, we begin a new year, and it's a new opportunity for things to be different, for things to change, for us to start over, for us to kind of hit the reset button. Uh, scripture talks a little bit about this reset, uh, but it talks about it in terms of old life versus new life that can be found in Jesus Christ. So we read about it, you read about it in a number of places in the New Testament. We heard it read from one of those places in 2 Corinthians 5 a moment ago. Let me just repeat a part of that here for you now. Uh, it says, uh, he died, meaning Jesus died for everyone, so that everyone who receives this new life will no longer live for themselves, but instead they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, and the old life has gone, and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Now, what you maybe don't realize is that Paul was writing this letter to uh, the, the, the uh, uh, Christians in Corinth, a, a city that really was a whole lot like our Western culture. Uh, it was a place that, uh, more than anything else, it was a place that, that was about self, all right? Uh, it was a place where they took a lot of pride in like, their lavish lifestyle, their, their sense of fashion, their architecture. Uh, texture. They, uh, it, was, it was about a city where, where self-empowerment and self-reliance and self-gratification, you know, elevating self, uh, promoting self. And, and I know on the surface, maybe that doesn't sound all that bad. Uh, in fact, if you want to make some changes, if you want to hit the reset on some area of your life, uh, many of us tend to think that that change gets made by uh, making more of myself or focusing more on myself. But Paul comes along and he comes in and he says to them and he says to us, he says, look, it's not about self, it's about a savior, He says, look, uh, this message, this, this good news, it's not a self-help message. It really is a you-can't-help-yourself message. It's not a self-empowerment message. It's a you-don't-have-the-power-yourself message. The change that, that, that needs to take place is not going to take place because you make it happen. It's because you surrender it to Jesus Christ and he makes it happen. He makes it new. He does that work in you, through you. And the challenge for us on this one is we tend to forget that. We really do. We tend to forget that. And that's why our old life has this way of like pulling us back into it. I mean, we want to make changes. We want to do things differently. We want a new start. We want that new beginning but so many times we feel like that old thing is constantly pulling us back. And so Paul comes to us and he reminds Christians, he says, look, if you are in Christ, <laughs> and listen, he doesn't say it this way, but it's almost implied that you want to be in Jesus Christ. But if you are in Christ... He says, then the old has been buried. He says, the old is gone, and, and you have this new life available to you in Jesus Christ. And, and, and you just simply need to believe that through faith that God has given you, to believe it. But then you also need to start living out of that. I mean, if this is kind of where you want to, to be in 2020, you can't start off every day, you know, feeling like, like Eeyore and going, well, I still am my old self today. 
That's not even true if you're in Christ. Uh, the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul uses a metaphor of clothes to help us you know, kind of think through this a little bit. He says, basically says, look, you've been given these new clothes in Jesus Christ, but in order to put on the new clothes, you have to take off the old clothes. And so if you're wearing all kinds of smelly, dirty clothes, you don't put new clothes on over those dirty clothes. You take off the old clothes so that you can put on the new ones. I mean, we have this new life in Jesus Christ, but we cannot keep wearing the old clothes that we've been wearing. We have to take those off so we can put on the new clothes that Jesus gives to us. And that's hard, isn't it? That's hard. That's hard because our old self can be really stubborn. Our old, stel- our old self doesn't go down without a fight, right? And anyway, have you ever thought about where does that old self come from in the first place? Do you even know? Do you realize it? Do you maybe even recognize that it's there, that it exists? But where does it come from? Uh, let me just mention three places real quick, just as a way of maybe hopefully, you know, sitting and saying, you know, if I know where it comes from, then maybe I can be a little bit more in tune with it and, and, and you know, take care of it, you know, do things about it. The first thing is this. Uh, one place that it comes from, I would just simply say, it, it's like your DNA. Uh, the Bible would talk about this like your sinful nature or, or, or your, your uh, original sin is, is what we refer to it oftentimes. Uh, uh, there's just something hardwired in you that causes you to struggle with temptations and desires that you know don't honor God, but it just seems to be part of you. It's kind of like you've inherited it. Uh, it it's, it's similar, perhaps, to the physical traits that you do inherit. Uh, again, you look in the mirror, uh, and, and you see maybe that you've like inherited your dad's ears, right? Or you say, well, I got my mom's eyes. Or, oh my goodness, uh, I got Uncle Joe's nose. Thanks a lot, Uncle Joe, Right? I mean, you, you see those things. You see those physical traits that have been passed down to you that you've inherited. You just have them. Well, it's a similar thing when it comes to the sinful nature. In fact, in Romans 5.12, we're told that sin entered the world through one man, Adam. But it goes on and says that we have all sinned. We've all sinned because all of that, that original sin, that sinful nature, it, got, it gets passed down. We inherit it. it. It comes to us. We all have that sinful nature. We all struggle with sin. There's this predisposition towards certain struggles and certain sins that we have. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you fight this. You fight it every single day. You know, you, you, you didn't want to have your dad's temper or, or, or you, didn't, you, you didn't want to struggle with your mom's addiction and yet now you have some of the same battles that they had and, and you find that oftentimes that those are the clothes that are the hardest to shed, to get rid of, to get off. Now, when we talk about this, I want to make sure one, we understand one thing. We're not talking about this so that we can use it as an excuse. We're not talking about it so we can sit here today and look at each other and say, oh, you know what, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I'm, it's just the way I am. It's the way I was born. It's just the way that I am wired up. That's not the purpose. We don't talk about it for that. We talk about this and we bring it up so that we can recognize our vulnerabilities and be aware of some of the clothes that can be especially difficult to take off. So that's one of the places old self comes from. Another place, it comes just from your environment, just the world in which you live. Uh, the Corinthian culture had a significant impact on the Christian worldview. Paul knew that. Uh, whether they wanted it or not, it was just that reality. Well, likewise, guess what? Our culture has a significant impact on shaping us, discipling us, impacting our Christian worldview as well. Uh, whether we want it or not, whether we're aware of it or not, that is happening. And it's happening because the more that you are exposed to something, the more it shapes you and the more of a cognitive effect it has on you. 
And so Paul, in the book of Romans, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, now that word conformed there, uh, it's used uh, uh, for, uh, I mean, sorry, it's, uh, it, it would be used for, to uh, indicate a mold, right? Where uh, you pour something into a mold and it takes shape of that mold. And so Paul is basically saying, he says, don't do that. Don't let your life just take the shape of the world that you live in where you, know, you believe something different now than you did three or four years ago just because everyone, believe, everyone else believes something different now. Or, or, or you no longer have a conviction that you once did because it just seems as though no one else has that conviction anymore. Paul says to fight against that. Um, another place that our old self comes from is, is in our pattern of decision-making. Uh, the more we make the same decisions and the more often we give into those same struggles, uh, the more certain behavior patterns get reinforced and the more power those patterns will have over us. And so each day that we struggle like with anger or yelling or spending or lying, you know, each day that we go down that path, it re reinforces that pattern of behavior, uh, which honestly is one of the reasons why the old self can have such a grip on us. It's because it becomes ingrained in who we are and it starts to have power over us. And even though we feel determined and even though we may have good intentions, it can be really hard to fight against that. It can, it can be really hard to, uh, uh, to, 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 uh, uh, to, to get away from that, to, to, to put that old life behind us. And that's why Paul comes to us and he says, look, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is come. And the word there, a couple of things, the word there for old, by the way, is where we get our word archaeology from. In other words, uh, it's a reference to things that have been buried, uh, things that are no longer relevant, things that are in the past and no longer useful. It's just simply buried. And not only that, but where it says that the old has gone, that verb tense for has gone, is also interesting because we tend to read that and we tend to think about it in the present perfect tense where like the old is going. You know, it's on its way out, but not completely gone. But that's not what Paul is saying. Paul says that the old has gone. And specifically, the verb tense there is a reference to a specific moment in the past where the old left. The old was killed. The old was buried. And what Paul is talking about here, of course, is in the cross of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that our old self was nailed to that cross. Our sins were nailed to that cross. When we are in Jesus Christ, we find that our old self was taken care of when Jesus died. That's when it was buried. So if you're in Jesus Christ, the old has gone, which means that who you are is not who you were. And who you were does not define who you will be. Because your identity doesn't come from the past. Your identity comes from being in Jesus Christ. And I'm just thinking that some of us maybe could benefit from hearing that and being reminded of that again right now as we begin this new year together. Because maybe, maybe you feel like something from your past will forever define your future and that, and that what people have said about you is really who you are. With your friends, it's not. Because it's not about what you have done or what they have said about you. It's about what Jesus has done for you and what Jesus says about you. 
And so you might have words like, you know, dropped out or kicked out, or attached to your past. You, 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 maybe, you maybe were locked up or, or maybe you slept around or maybe you were addicted or maybe you were convicted and, and you feel like, like that, 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 for, that that's forever going to be something that you have to wear. But Paul says no. He says the old has gone means that, that it no longer defines you. You're not defined by your past failures or your past mistakes. If you are in Jesus Christ, that life is buried And I'm just thinking maybe that's what most of us want. We say, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I want. I, I want to I be done with it once and for all. I, I, I want the new life. And yet I find myself struggling with it. And I, and I really don't know, I don't know how to do it. And that, dear friends, is when we start to slip back to our own self-help methodology and on a day like today, on the, at a time like this in the year, we start to ask ourselves, you know, what are the four or five things that I need to do to help myself be new? And yet when we do that, we miss out on where we find the new. You see, it's not in ourselves. It's in Jesus Christ. It's not in what we do for ourselves. It's in what Jesus has already done for us. I can't reset myself. You can't reset yourself. I don't have that kind of power. You don't have that kind of power. I mean, yeah, we might do okay for a little while, but we really don't change ourselves. Jesus does. He is the one that brings the new. He is our reset button. Jesus is the one who changes us. Jesus is the one who gives us the new beginning. In Jesus, we get a reset. In Jesus, the debt is paid. In Jesus, we get that new beginning. In Jesus, the old has gone and the new is here. And when you look through the Gospels, you'll find that it's full of stories like that, of how the old has gone and the new is here. Think about it. Jesus calls some fishermen to leave their nets behind and to come and to follow him. He says, the old is gone, the new is here. Come, follow me. And he gives them new life and new purpose. He tells the woman who was caught in adultery, uh, he says, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Leave your life of sin. The old is gone. The new is here. It's time to leave those old things there, and it's time for you to have that new life in me. Nicodemus, a religious man, a religious leader, as a matter of fact, he tried to follow all of the rules, and Jesus gets to him, and he says, look, he says, yep, those, those rules that you're trying to follow, those are all filthy rags too, Nicodemus. All of your rule keeping, you know, those are the clothes that you need to get rid of because what? You, you put your hope in those and you think that those are the things that are going to save you and give you a new life? He said, they're not. Those aren't the things that do that. You need to be born again. That new life is found in me, in the spirit, in the water of baptism. The old is gone, the new is here. Zacchaeus, a tax collector, has lunch with Jesus and he, becomes, he comes out a new man, a different person. The old is gone, the new is here. And you find that one story after another, after another, and after another. And so that's why it's our prayer that, that this church, that St. Paul, would be full of stories just like that. Stories where the old has gone and the new is here. So my prayer is that we would not leave here the same way that we came in. I, I don't know what old things need to be taken off. 
But please don't walk out of here wearing the same old clothes. Today's an opportunity for us to take off the old and put on the new. To live our life in Jesus Christ where the old has gone and the new is here. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand and join me for prayer? Um, As we go before our Heavenly Father in prayer this morning, I'd like to um, uh, remind you of the prayer list that's included in your worship folder insert and ask that you would remember these people in your prayers throughout the week this week. We'd also ask that you would uh, add a prayer to that prayer list uh, today. Uh, We'd like for you to add Pat Bally. Uh, who was uh, admitted to a Morristown hospital this week uh, with, uh, uh, to undergo some heart procedures uh, to take care of some blockages. And so we want to certainly pray, pray for her uh, recovery as well. Would you join me as we pray together? Uh, Father God, um, we are standing here at the beginning of a new year, a time when we do sometimes pause and think about where we've been and, and where we want to go. And, and Father, we pray that, uh, that you would uh, just be front and center in all that, that you would be a part of that. Uh, we pray, Father, that, um, that you would uh, remind us, as, as you have through your servant Paul, uh, that because of your son Jesus Christ, because of what it is that he has done, um, that the old is gone, that the past is the past, um, certainly something perhaps to learn from, but we don't have to bring it into today and certainly don't need to drag it into the future because your son has, take care of, care, has taken care of it. He has buried that for us when he went to the cross. And he has brought forth new life, just as he was brought forth out of the grave, defeating death, bringing out new life and life eternal. He gives us that new life as well. He, 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 he takes us from an old creature and turns us into a new creature, a new creature that is free to, to live fully and joyfully in the life that only you can provide. And so as we look forward, as we look with a great anticipation of what this new year might bring, We just pray, Father, that you would be right there in the front of it for us, that you would be in the center of it with us, that you would lead us and guide us and direct us and mold us and fashion our hearts and our minds and our thinkings and our attitudes and our actions after you and your son, Jesus Christ. We give you thanks today that the old has gone and that the new is here. And we pray, Father, that you would continue to do that work of removing the old and and restoring the new in us and uh, in the hearts and the lives of of those that we pray for today, those that are are struggling with life's concerns. Uh, Namely, Father, we we ask that you would do that work in in the life of of Pat and Terry and and Winifred and and the the owners and the employees of Ace Greenhouse. Uh, We continue to pray that type of prayer for Richard and Sarah and Keith and Marianne, for Millie and for Elaine, for Betty and for the family and friends of Corey Meeker, and for all those people, Father, whose names have not been mentioned here but are certainly in our hearts and on our minds today. Fill them, Father, with that newness of life that can only come from your son, Jesus. And may that be the force. May that be that power, that, power, that same power that was used to raise Jesus from the grave. May that be the power that, that, that jettisons us forward in this coming year that we would be used by you in mighty and and glorious ways, not for our glory, Father, but for yours, 
not for our betterment, but for the betterment of your kingdom and for the blessing of the people that you put around us. Father, we, uh, we also give you thanks for the way that you have done that in the past. And we come before you on a regular basis to give you that thanksgiving and that praise, uh, just as Elsie has done and, and Melissa. And, and, and we just pray, Father, that you would continue to put inside of us hearts of gratitude for all of the ways that you continue to bless us and, and guide us and direct us and forgive us and renew us. Uh, Father, we pray also for those that are grieving the loss of loved ones. Uh, Father, Father we, we, we pray with somewhat heavy hearts, but we also pray with joyful hearts, knowing that they are experiencing the goal of their faith, the salvation of their soul, the ultimate new life that is theirs in Jesus Christ. And so may that temper the grief that uh, perhaps is, is being felt by the Bishop and Hansen family, the Hinderman family, and the Perkins family. Restore them, remind them of the hope that is ours because of your son Jesus, the one who brings us that new life, that turns us into new creatures. Father, we look forward to what it is that you're about to do in us and through us. And, and so we commend our lives to you. We surrender them to you. And we just pray, Father, that you would continue to be our vision, that we would continually come to you and seek your forgiveness and seek that newness of life that is only possible by you and through your son, Jesus. We thank you in advance for that work. We are humbled by it, and we love you for it. And we pray all this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who also taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.